Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Everybody, this is episode 15 of In Liberty and Health, and I have Mr. Craig Emmerich with me today to talk all things carnivore health and I'm sure beyond. I'm very, very excited, and I'm always happy to have more health and lifestyle-based people on. Uh, Craig, how you doing, brother? Uh, great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Of course. I'm really digging the shirt. I put bacon on it, right? Right. I'd put bacon on that. It, it works <laughs> for anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, even before um, I went off the carnivore diet in about June, um, just because I felt I had got most of what I was kind of looking for out of it. I lost a ton of weight, um, mm-hmm. GI issues healed, um, depression, brain fog, things like that. It all went away um, yeah. throughout the course of my two-year journey. But uh, even before then, I always said I put bacon and barbecue sauce on everything because people would always say it's like either hot sauce or cheese. But I'm like, no, barbecue sauce and bacon goes on everything. <laughs> it works for just about anything. <laughs> yeah. So um I guess uh, kind of start off, who are you and what kind of led you down this path of carnivore and uh, keto? I know you and your wife are real big proponents of a uh, more fat-based diet. Well, actually, I shouldn't even say that because when you guys talk, I hear you guys mainly focus on protein, which is huge in the ketogenic world, which gets left out. So sorry to kind of go on a tangent there, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, goes back a long ways, you know, about 20, gosh, I don't know, 22, 23 years ago. I met my wife, Maria, and she was, uh, uh, at the time she was, you know, struggling with some issues she had with IBS and acid reflux, you know, did GI issues. And she also had PCOS, which is basically, you know, like insulin resistance of the reproductive system. Um, and she adds extra weight. She couldn't get off, even though she's following all the proper, you know, guidelines of Mm -hmm. eating whole grains and low fat and, moving more and running marathons right and it still wasn't helping her out mm-hmm. and so she thought there's got to be a better way she went to college for uh, nutrition and exercise science but a lot of nutrition was just kind of the same old food pyramid kind of stuff mm-hmm. she's like i'm doing that it's not working there's got to be something better right uh and you know she'd go to the doctor with these issues and they're like those are just the cards you dealt you know not here's a medication that can help you know mask those symptoms or whatever and like a week later, she goes to the vet because our dog was losing patches of her hair. And the first thing the vet says is, what are you feeding her? And it's like this light bulb moment for her, like, okay, my doctor never asked me that. And yet I've yeah. got all these issues, right? 
And so she just started diving down the rabbit hole of just researching and getting, reading every book and everything about nutrition she could find and started, you know, her acid reflux reversed and or stopped mm-hmm. and IBS stopped and her PCOS reversed and all these things that, you know, problems she's having. And even though she stopped running marathons, she started losing weight. And it was just mm-hmm. kind of this uh, aha moment for her. And everybody, of course, started asking, what are you doing? And so she started working with people and, uh, you know, started writing books and all that and doing a blog. Uh, and that's 20 years ago now. Uh, mm-hmm. She's been following this uh, lifestyle. It took me a little longer. Uh, it took me, you know, I didn't have any, at the time, I didn't have any immediate health issues. I didn't have, you know, I, I had, you know, 30 pounds of extra weight, you know, I was probably carrying around that I didn't need, mm-hmm. but other than that, didn't really have any health issues. So, you know, I brewed my own beer. I got that German background, you know, and as a little resistant to change and, and those, and that, those kind of fronts. Yeah. Uh, but about five or six years later, which is, you know, 16 years ago now, uh, I just started eat, doing it all the time because I just felt so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt eating keto was just so much better. And then um, I was that for a long time. And then about, uh, I want to say eight years ago, I started having back pain and pain that moved up through my back and into my neck. And, and you know, long story short, there's, after uh, several years, about three years ago, I finally was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And what I knew about carnivore was that some of the people that are really kind of started the carnivore diet, uh, you know, 20 years ago, people like Charlene Anderson did it because of their chronic Lyme pain. And they found that carnivore really helped with their pain. So I started doing carnivore about three, four years ago, and my joint pain went way down right away. Mm-hmm. And it stays down a lot if I stick to carnivore. If I start introducing too much plants, my uh, pain starts to go up. And so I just stuck with what works. And, you know, that's kind of how I ended up in the carnivore diet. But what you pointed out is really important early on is, uh, you know, we talked in our carnivore cookbook, what's your why? And I think that's really important because if your why is just, eh, I want to lose some weight and feel, mm-hmm. you can do carnivore in a number of ways and you can kind of flop back and forth if you want, if you want to go back to keto or whatever, you know, whatever works is great. If you've got a chronic pain disease, you know, like fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, if you've got bipolar disorders that, and certain uh, brain disorders that have really seen uh, improvements with a carnivore lifestyle, you might want to stick to carnivore more. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at. Right. And well, that's great to hear that you saw a resolution of uh, symptoms, especially from Lyme disease, because, um, you know, as you were talking earlier about um, your wife's issues, a lot of people will say, oh, that's just the cards you're dealt. Um, I was 250 pounds at one point. Right now I'm around 187 and I'm, you know, I got a decent bit of muscle on my frame and I had muscle before, but, you know, I always said, oh, I'm healthy because I worked out. Well, you know, I was about 24 years old. And I was having knee pains, back pains, you know, I didn't sleep very well, waking up all the time in the middle of the night. And I remember yeah. my coworkers always tell me, oh, you're going to be stuck with this for the rest of your life. You know, you're, you come from a bigger group of guys. So that's just the way it is. But then I started listening to Sean Baker, Paul Saladino, Ken Berry, and these guys talking about the carnivore, low carb kind of world. And they were saying, well, you know, we don't know if this age and stuff really is all that it's cracked up to be, you know, if, um, you're supposed to age and get worse as you get older. And I, you know, it was a little, I don't want to say jarring, but I didn't 
necessarily understand it at first. And then once I lost all the weight and, you know, went carnivore for, you know, about two years, I was like, wow, this is what they're talking about. Aging is, you know, in large part due to diet because people treat their bodies like crap. And, you know, you'll take a couple milligram pill and you think that's going to fix stuff, but you put enormous volumes of food in your body. But a lot of people never think twice about that. Um, just exactly. kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's where in, in our book, Keto, which is Keto mm-hmm. Period, uh, which is a great book for anybody that wants to understand this lifestyle. Uh, we started out and I, I have a chapter in there where I made this d- disease tree. And, you know, the, the leaves, the result of, you know, the diseases like, you know, uh, diabetes, cancer, you know, Alzheimer's, all these uh, end result diseases can all be traced back to root causes, primarily diets. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other, you know, in- inputs, you know, things like exercise, uh, how much sleep you're getting, your how much sunlight and vitamin D status, uh, you know, a lot of different root causes, you know, are, do you smoke or not? So if you kind of look at the body, and this is the way, you know, I, I have an elect- electrical engineering degree and a background in electrical engineering. So I look at things mm-hmm. kind of more like a system approach, an engineering approach. And I look at the body the same way that if you give the body bad inputs, it's going to give you bad outputs. And mm-hmm. so to fix the inputs, you can fix the outputs and going back and fixing diet and getting good sunlight and, you know, revert, getting some activity levels up. These things can uh, reverse a lot of these bad outcomes of disease. Right, right. I completely agree. And I like that you said you, you really broke down the simple way of inputs and outputs because I'm an automotive technician, right? I fix cars yeah. for a living. And, you know, that it's a very, very good and effective way to look at it because a lot of people don't think about it that way. They think, oh, well, this is just, you know, what I want to have. This is the mouth pleasure. This is the flavor I desire. But they don't look at food necessarily as energy, right? Yeah. And they don't look at movement as necessarily something that's going to heal them as well. Because if the more muscle you have, the more your body can use glucose. So if you're having carbohydrates or even a high protein meal where some of that's going to be converted to glucose, if you have more muscle, then you're going to be able to utilize that better. Or, you know, doing the 10 minutes after a walk or um, after a meal, you can take your glucose back down. So people just don't think about the inputs and outputs when it comes to activity and the stuff that they're putting in their body. Um, I've heard people put it that way before, but, you know, I never really connected the dots perhaps until you said it, but yeah, that's, that's a very, very clever and effective way. Well, and I think that, you know, you know, I think our modern healthcare system, it's kind of like the old parable of, uh, I can't remember the source of it, but where Mm -hmm. there's a person that's coming down the river drowning. And so they, you know, rush in and they save them. And there's another person coming down the river drowning and they rush in and save them. And pretty soon they set up you know facility mm-hmm. to get these people out of the water but one guy says you know what why don't we go up the river and see what's causing people to fall in the river and fix that problem right let's go upstream and fix the root cause of the problem not keep putting band-aids on the you know the end result of these problems and that's kind of what mm-hmm. modern healthcare is is here's your pill we're not going to go up and fix the root cause we're just going to give you a pill to kind of mask the symptoms mm-hmm. you never you never really resolve anything Right, a good euphemism for uh, our current medical uh, complex that kind of we have in the U.S. Unfortunately, is it's more disease management rather than health care. We never focus on that, and um, you know, not to drag it too much to current events, but you know, we don't oftentimes hear about how important metabolic health is to 
you know, just our general health. No one really talks about that. I had somebody tell me once that, oh, we've been telling people to exercise for years, but, you know, that doesn't mean don't do it. You know, this is, we lived thousands and thousands of years ago by running, hunting, and killing, you know, large animals and getting a lot of meat, protein, and fat from them. And now, if you look at our current lifestyles, we're hunched over, we're staring at our phones, we have blue light blasts in our eyes right before we go to bed, and then we plug our phone into charge. Um, and it's awesome that you guys are spreading the message of, you know, kind of an ancestral lifestyle, and that I feel like that gets thrown a lot around a lot, but I really do think kind of returning to more of an animal-based, meat-based diet is that ancestral approach to health. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know... From the beginning, we've always kind of taken that approach of, you know, whole foods based, not none of this. We, we tell clients, if it's got keto on the package, avoid it. it probably, yeah. You know, nine, 99 <laughs> times out of 100, it's drunk. It's Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, you look at all these keto things. I want to say almost every single one I've ever picked up with the exception of maybe like two things had higher carbohydrate than fat. And in one of your talks, I heard you say we count all carbs, not just net carbs, because that's like a marketing scheme, right? You look at all these keto ice creams, they have way more carbs than fat. And I kind of want to touch on the macro deal a little bit later. But, you know, just because it says net carbs doesn't mean that it's still not a calorie that your body has to expend. That's not just free carbohydrates, free glucose you're getting, you know? And especially in these, these kind of processed keto products too, mm -hmm. is what they'll do is they'll use ingredients that they can count as fiber, but will still impact your blood glucose and cause, you know, issues, okay. spike yeah. your blood sugar. One of those is soluble corn fiber. It's in a lot of these products. Yeah. It as a fiber. We, I, we have tons of examples of people with CGMs and everything just spiking their glucose like crazy, almost mm -hmm. as much as sugar from, wow. from that ingredient, but they count it as fiber. So it's a, it's a, it, to us, just count total and you'll do a lot better. Right, right. So that kind of gets into the next topic, though, as I said earlier, um, the focus on macros. Um, I, I've, I've been in a lot of carnivore groups for quite a while now, and it's frustrating in a sense, because you see some people that want to lose weight and that's fine, but they dump a whole stick of butter in their coffee. They got half the jug of heavy whipping cream. They're eating the fattiest grain fed ribeye they can find with six yeah. pieces of bacon. And then the first thing they say is I can't lose weight or they go off the diet for a day and they have like a blueberry, like one blueberry and two strawberries. They're like, oh, these carbs are making me gain weight. And it's it's like, well, you just had 3000 calories from fat, right? Exactly. Those two blueberries are not what's causing the weight gain. It wasn't the problem. No. Right. Yeah. That's very, and especially it seems like even more so than keto in, in the carnivore community, that seems like there's so many of these people that promote these influencers or whatnot that promote this. You got to just pound the fats. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we had a client come to us. She was 300 pounds and not very tall and uh the carnivore coach she was working with told her you need to add 12 tablespoons of mct oil to all the every other you know food that you you're stuffing in every day after gaining weight the answer was try 14 and then 16 a cup of mct oil every day and she gained 30 pounds Jeez, and guess what yeah. she comes to us and now she's doing wonderful because mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day what I would love any of those people to tell me is where does the fat go that you eat? Mm -hmm. 
all of the fat you eat ends up in your fat cells. Mm -hmm. Almost all of it. it. There are studies that have shown this time and time again. Mm -hmm. If you're eating a very, uh, uh, there's one study that I'm very familiar with. They did, uh, I think, 68 grams of fat in the diet, all the way up to 150 grams, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And they, they looked at the fecal output. So to see how much fat is end ending up in the stool, didn't change at all. Oh. And it was okay, always, always around, I don't know, eight grams of fat that ends up in the stool. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so wow. it's not going there. And if it does, you're going to have issues. You're going to be on the toilet <laughs> like <laughs> a lot because, you know, remember the old Olestra chips, you know, the, uh, it was the wow chips. Was, Olestra was this fat that was, wasn't digestible. Oh, and so okay. big, big uh, health food thing, you know, look, you know, low, fat doesn't count. You can eat these chips. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. They ended up having to put a label on them on these potato chips, basically saying could, cause you know anal leakage and uncontrolled stool because it, that extra fat going right through you right you don't want that happening number one and <laughs> number two it, you know the study has shown it's not going there so now where else can it go the bloodstream mm -hmm. once it's in the bloodstream there's only two places it can go it can either go into storage in your fat cells mm -hmm. or be used as fuel for energy but guess what if you're using dietary fat as fuel you're not using body fat as fuel and so you're not losing body fat right mm -hmm. i mean end of the day that's it, it's just, you can't put it any simpler than that the fat you eat ends up almost all of it in your fat cells which mm -hmm. means less of your own fat burned as fuel i mean th that's that's just a fact <laughs> that's how the body works right so this is what a lot of ketogenic and carnivore people get confused about because they hear burning fat and they automatically assume that that's body fat well once again if you're on a ketogenic diet and you're using ketones as fuel and fat as fuel then your body burns more fat but it also stores more fat so when you have somebody telling you to pound all the mct oil pound all the butter and get the fattiest ribeye fattiest brisket you know the fattiest cuts of meat that you possibly can then your body has to like you said burn exogenous fat it has to burn the fat you're taking in before it can ever touch the body fat stores so that's not to say you don't need any fat because obviously if you're on a ketogenic yeah. diet fats your you know your main source of fuel but that doesn't mean that you have to just gorge on it and i think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they go on a keto diet is that they assume if a little fat's good then a lot must be better <laughs> yeah i mean i it's just this nobody's ever answered that question when i ask it where's the fat go you know mm -hmm. of these, these uh promoters because they don't have an answer and the the answer is it goes into your fat cells and mm -hmm. so it becomes part of part of the fat pool on your body and you know there's something called fat flux where there's always fat going in and out of your mm -hmm. fat cells they cycle in and out because uh you know it, uh fat comes out to be used as energy if you're sitting on the couch doesn't get used up it goes right back in you know packaged back up and goes right back into your fat cells any dietary fat goes right into the fat cells so it Kind of this flux and pool and we what we tell clients is you want to be in a negative fat flux where you want more fat coming out than going back in right how do you do that mm -hmm. you reduce what's coming in the diet a bit and allow your body to burn what you have on the body uh as fuel right um yeah that's very very interesting and i'm very glad that you guys are in this low carb space kind of saying look you guys need to put the brakes a little bit on the fat and especially focusing on protein sparing modified fast because one of the other big things that a lot of people don't realize is that when you lose weight particularly if you're not resistance training is that um 
when you lose weight, if you're not keeping your protein high and you're not resistance training, you can lose actually more muscle than fat. And then that's where you get into the issue of you can't eat anything without gaining weight because, you know, what you, muscle is very calorically expensive. So your body needs to use a lot of calories to maintain that muscle. If you don't do something to maintenance that muscle, then you lose it while you're losing weight right because your body is going to get energy from wherever it can so like i said that's where you get to the problem right you get to the problem of you know you're you lost all this weight but now you have to eat 1200 calories a day of you know super lean cuts and you feel like crap but if you go any higher than you start gaining weight so uh, it's very nice that you guys kind of focus on the protein side of things which you know you know better than me is way (laughs) way way important yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of components to that, but yeah, once you start focusing on protein and making protein a priority, you'll see a lot of things happen. Number one, you know, protein is a very high thermic effect of food. Mm-hmm. That means, uh, you know, your body has a certain number of calories that are required to digest different macronutrients and protein is by far the highest. We're talking mm-hmm. 25, 30% thermic effect, which means 25 to 30% of the calories from that protein basically don't count because it takes that bo- the body that much energy to digest it and consume it, right? Uh, make make uh, amino acids out of it. Um, fat, very low. You're talking a few percent, maybe 3% thermic effect. That means mm-hmm. it's just really easy to absorb and stuff right in your fat cells. So you don't really get that benefit. You know, carbs are a little bit more, but, uh, you know, by far, you know, 2X fat uh, protein is going to give you that benefit. Well, that's great for weight loss, right? Because you basically deduct 20, 30% of your calories, mm-hmm. right? Um, next, next is the nutrient density of that protein. So when you're talking about, and we work with a lot of very metabolically damaged clients, you know, people that, you know, uh, we have one client, a, a great guy that we've been working with who is started out at 645 pounds. Um, wow. He, what, what's really interesting about him, he's got a different uh, genetics where he, he seems to make new fat cells. Most people can't make new fat cells as Mm-hmm. As they are out past a certain age. Yeah. He apparently can because he had normal A1C and everything, even at four, 645 pounds. But, uh, he, you know, somebody like that with that much fat stored, you can take almost a protein sparing approach every day because he's got so much access to energy in his stored fat cells. Mm-hmm. Granted, with, you know, mixing, mixing it up with overfeeding days to keep the metabolism honest and not down regulating and that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, to fix that, that metabolic damage in most people that are that obese, you're going to want to do two things. Diabetes, the fastest way to reverse type two diabetes is to shrink your fat cells and maintain or grow your muscle. Shrinking the fat cells, uh, the primary cause of insulin resistance is your fat cells get too stuffed and inflamed. So the fat cell, you know, uh, like I mentioned, when you're young, you make a certain number of fat cells. And after a certain age, for whatever reason, we just don't make new fat cells. Um, and so we just stuff them fuller or shrink them down. And what happens is if you have a personal fat threshold that's lower and you get those fat cells stuffed, your the fat cell says, reject insulin. I don't want to store any more fat because I'm going to blow up. And so it rejects insulin that starts insulin resistance. And that could be, we've had clients, a, a, one woman was 110 pounds mm-hmm. and type two diabetic because she had a very low personal fat threshold. She didn't have any fat cells, but they're all stuffed and inflamed. Uh, you know, where you could be, you know, 
you know, hundreds of pounds overweight and still not reach that threshold yet because you have a lot of fat cells. But at the end of the day, you want to shrink them down to reverse that insulin resistance. So shrinking the fat cells, that's, you know, keeping the fat moderate, like we talked earlier, that's step one. Step two is don't lose your muscle because that's where the glucose goes. So managing, you know, diabetes, it's real important to maintain or even grow your muscle mass, giving glucose more place to go. So those two in combination can very uh, quickly reverse type two diabetes. Right. And that's a really, really great place to start, I think, as well. Um, when I talk to a lot of people about losing weight, because a lot of people ask me how I manage to do it, um, you know, I'm a little bit crazy. I've always worked out for like the last 10 years. I'm up at 430 every day so I can, you know, cook breakfast and walk my dogs. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit of an outlier and that sounds very self-gratifying, but um, I usually try to tell people like, look, why don't you just try getting a little bit more protein in your diet and try walking post-meal. Those two things are going to get you actually a lot further than you might think. And if we want to start resistance training, maybe try doing like a full body split three times a week, right? Because that's very manageable. You could spend maybe a half hour, 45 minutes doing that kind of split and not only see great results, but you know, you're going to increase muscle mass because that's just a very, very good program to start out with and still maintain the walks and keeping up a higher protein diet. Um, so whenever you start working with clients, what does it kind of look like when you guys just, you know, from day one, just to get them started on the uh, journey to health? Well, number one, we're going to start with proper macros and diet. You know, the thing is, you know, as uh, as important as exercise and activity is in general to overall health, Weight loss is pretty much all about macros. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd say 90% or more of weight loss is getting your macros right. Absolutely. So, uh, we have lots of clients that, you know, either for physical reasons, you know, the man is 645 pounds, he can't exercise. Right. I mean, literally it's not possible uh, to do much. And so it's all about getting the diet right. Um, where uh, over time, you know, as you're able to, then you can incorporate more just for health and whatnot. But 90% of it's of the weight loss is just getting those macros right. Mm -hmm. um, and then prioritize to get the macros right, you're going to prioritize your protein. Um, and beyond what we've already talked about, the other thing about protein is it's one of the most nutrient dense foods you can eat. And this is one of the things that I also fight against the proponents of, you know, adding but, you know, sticks of butter to their steaks and all that. Uh, if I, if I put under cover, so you can't see what food it is, I give you one plate and I say, this has the same number of calories as this other plate, but the, this plate over here is loaded with vitamins and minerals, tons of vitamins and minerals. This other one, almost nothing. Which one do you say is healthier for you? I mean, regardless of diet, I don't care if you're vegan. I don't care what you're going to say. The more nutrient dense food is going to be healthier for me in the long term. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the steak. That's, that's the protein. That's not the fat. The fat, MCT oil, literally, if you look it up in the you know, vitamins and minerals, MCT oil has less vitamins and minerals than cane sugar. I mean, that's how there's nothing in it. It's just energy. It's just pure energy. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you want to feed your cells and feel, feed your body with nutrient dense foods. And that's going to be prioritizing protein because protein is one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet. And most people don't understand that. They, you know, again, you give somebody a plate with kale, blueberries, and a steak on it and say, where are your vitamins and minerals come from? They probably say, oh, the kale or the blueberries. <laughs> it's a steak. It's a steak is, the steak is where you're getting all your vitamins and minerals. 
Absolutely. And the other thing about protein, and this is why I stress this so much, is that protein is so very satiating. You know, there's going to be a certain point after eating so much protein, you're just like, all right, <laughs> get this away from me. I'm done. You know, exactly. and that goes to the uh, hunger test thing as well. You know, if you won't eat a plain chicken breast or, you know, a plain steak without any salt, um, you're probably not hungry. You're probably just bored. You know, if you're thinking about chomping down a bag of chips, you know, drenched in vegetable oil or, you know, the ice cream or anything like that, um, you're not really hungry. And yeah. the thing that those actually have in common, and I didn't put this these dots together until probably about a year or so ago, but all the things that are incredibly easy to overeat are always low in protein, high in carbs and fat together. So people sometimes think it's just the carbs that make them fat, but it's also these overprocessed fats with carbohydrates that just make it so easy to overconsume. Yeah, the you know, in general, the two of them uh, will make you either one will contribute, right? They're both energy, right? Mm -hmm. And and I'm not going to say that they're equal in general because you know. One of, the, one of the things about processed sugars and carbs are that it drives the hunger, you know, satiety signaling and, and uh, hormones for hunger much more than fat will. So that's why, you know, a low carb approach is what we promote is because it controls hunger so much better. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, really all you're doing when you add the carbs is you're displacing fat oxidation. So you're not exactly burning yeah. fat, you're burning the carbs instead because they prioritize because there's less store space for carbs. So the body wants to burn that off first and you just store up all the fat you ate. And so what's really interesting, a lot of people, a lot of our clients, when they do an honest accounting of, of macros before and after, beforehand, they're really eating the same amount of fat as they are after. You know, they call this a high fat, you know, low carb diet or whatever. They're really, they were just eating high fat, high carb. And then they just, they just cut the carbs out, you know, and, and, maybe reduce the fat even a little bit from that from for, for uh, weight loss. So, uh, you know, what really comes down to is that when you prioritize the protein, you drive satiety, um, like, like you mentioned, and, you know, calorie for calorie, I think there's nothing that compares to protein for satiety when you do calorie for calorie. A lot of people argue fat's very satiating. Yeah, but it's really energy dense, right? You got nine calories per gram versus four calories per gram with protein. And people will drink a bulletproof coffee like it's nothing and it's 400 calories. But if I set 12, uh, what is it, uh, 10 eggs or so in front of you and say, eat these, you're going to get full <laughs> and you're probably going to stop, right? Where the bulletproof coffee is about the same calories and you'll just chug that down with no problem. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, I've seen so many people that just sit there and pound the fat and they're always just kind of scratching their head wondering why they can't lose weight. Yeah. So kind of tapping on to this whole keto and carnivore thing. Um, do you guys incorporate fasting? And if so, what does that look like? Because my experience with fasting was originally I would do a lunch and then a dinner. And eventually it got to the point where I'd wake up and I'm like, man, I'm just really freaking hungry. And then I started to hear more and more research about how it's actually better to have your feeding window earlier in the day because it helps provide a more stable blood sugar. So I eventually switched over to doing my first meal at about five, six o'clock in the morning. And then I would stop eating by like maybe 1130, one o'clock. And I found that um, I felt much fuller 
and my energy in the afternoon was better and I slept better. Um, so I guess, you know, do you guys incorporate fasting? And if so, what does that look like for you and your clients? Yeah, typically our uh, intermittent, intermittent fasting is uh, something we promote and do. Um, and it depends, you know, we look at it more as a tool to help reduce snacking and overeating. Uh, at the end of the day, getting your macros right is the most important thing for weight loss, whether that's in two meals, one meal, or three meals, you know, if the macros are right and the same, it, you're going to do the same with the results. But uh, a lot of people, they just get satiated to the point where they just skip a meal because they're not as hungry. Uh, so it kind of comes naturally that way. Uh, it, we never recommend fasting longer than 24 hours because you start to lose lean mass. Studies have time and time again shown this. And back to our you know original discussion, last thing you want to do, especially when metabolically damaged, is to lose muscle. So if you, uh, that's why we do the protein sparing approach instead of long-term fasting. You do a protein sparing modified fast where you get a lot of the benefits because you got really low energy, almost no carbs, very little fat but you get enough protein to maintain the muscle instead of lose it. So it's a kind of a, our alternative approach to that. Right. I think that's a great way to go about it because a lot of people will focus on doing these crazy long fasts and I'm, I'm no exception. I went on vacation one time and I came home and I literally did an 133 hour fast. That was the longest I ever did. Um, <laughs> pro tip, don't ever try and run a few miles um, at five o'clock in the morning when it's dark out after a five day fast. It, it's, it's pretty messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I found that to be uh, true as well, that when you're eating a carnivore diet or, you know, perhaps even a keto diet, I kind of went from a high protein junk food diet to carnivore. Um, you are just that satiated that you just find it easier to go longer times without meals. So typically, even when I was carnivore, it was two meals a day. And I think that's from what I hear from most carnivore people, that's how most people do it. Typically, yeah. And, and as far as timing, I think I think I agree that generally it's probably better to have a morning window, you know, breakfast, lunch kind of thing or late lunch. Uh, you know, it's, it's really up to the person. Uh, and I think it's a little bit dependent on your body status as well. If you've got a ton of weight to lose yet, you know, you probably won't have those morning energy issues that you are, uh, you had, and you're not, maybe not as active and all that. So I think those kind of play in as well. If you're getting closer to your goal weight, maybe only 20 or 40 pounds left to lose and you're doing more activity, you, know, you might want to adjust your eating windows based on that for sure. Right. Right. Um, so I guess another question I'd like to ask is, you know, do you have a lot of people who, when they go off of carnivore or keto, um, do you see that they have issues regulating intake of carbohydrates? You know, what, what's success like after they go, or do a lot of people tend to stick with it? For us, we treat the low carb approach. Now, you know, people will put labels on keto and what keto is and all that. It, we, we look at it as a low carb approach where appropriate for your activity and whatnot, keeping carbohydrates low, lower, uh, is going to be better for people long-term in general, you know? Uh, and again, that comes back to a lot of factors come back to things like, you know, prioritizing protein, even at goal weight is still so important. You got to get enough protein to maintain that lean mass over time. Uh, you get all the vitamins and minerals from that protein. So continue to prioritize, prioritize protein, even in maintenance is important. Um, and we kind of just look at it as the fat is the one that it gets adjusted. 
And so keep carbohydrates low, hit your protein goal every day based on how much muscle and lean mass you have and adjust fat based on the goal. If you want to lose weight, dial it down. If you want to maintain, dial the fat back up, start adding, you know, more uh, butter sauces or, you know, whatever you want to add to your, you know, meals and you get to a maintenance point. Um, the problem is we see so many people and clients that have had that metabolic damage and have had a history of not a great relationship with foods, especially, you know, sugar type foods where I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've had clients that suddenly we don't hear from them, you know, so a follower on our uh, groups or not. And a year later they come back and they're like, I got to get back into this. I just wanted to have that one cupcake and it turned it into a year off the wagon and gaining all the way back. I mean, that is so common. And that's the thing that, you know, can be dangerous with, you know, saying, oh, you know, just live a little. Well, that's, that's why we take the approach of we'll convert any recipe that there is. I mean, Maria's got thousands of recipes. You can convert any comfort food or anything that you want. Have the cupcake, just have a keto one. Right. So that's kind of what we try to do in a maintenance uh, standpoint. Right. I think that's a great way to approach it too, because a lot of people do kind of have this mindset of it's like an unhealthy mindset of, you know, as soon as I have this, then we'll screw it, you know, to hell with that. I'm going to have every last little piece of it rather than just saying, okay, well, you know, let's say it's my kid's birthday. I'll have one piece of cake and that's it. You know, a lot of people can't seem to moderate that. And that's kind of what I found is that with a carnivore diet, um, you know, I eventually did have those kind of issues, but when I was able to more so manage my intake, you know, then I felt a little bit better. But like I said, some people run into the issue of, oh, I, I just, as soon as I have it, I'm just, you know, screw it. But that's not a healthy way to look at it. You need to look at it as, am I optimizing my quality of life in this moment? Which may be having that, you know, one cheat day, but don't let that cheat day become a cheat month, cheat year. And then next thing you know, you're back to where you started. Yeah, if you can do it, you know, that's fine. And that that's the approach you want to take that, you know, that's fine. But, you know, there are so many people that just can't, you know, that one cheat day will turn into a week and a month and a year, you know, all the gains are lost. Uh, and that's why we look at this as it's a lifestyle. You know, if you look at any diet, I don't care what the diet is, where they have success, the, the, you know, any of these studies that you look at, whether it's vegan, whatever, the, 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 the lack of down the road a year, two years, three years out, uh, where success wanes, it's because they don't stick to the diet. I mean, Compliance is by far the number one reason for people, you know, ending, gain, uh, gaining the weight back and all that. And so we've got to look at it as a lifestyle. You can't just do this, lose some weight, go back to what made you gain weight and gain it all back and expect, you know, something to change by keep going back and forth. It's, you know, it's a lifestyle and uh, primarily you should stick to it. Right. I agree. And a lot of people do get stuck in that trap of yo-yo dieting. And I believe the stat is 95% of diets fail after three years, but it's like you said, it's because compliance is really the science. If you don't enjoy it, if you're not willing to look at this as lifestyle and an investment into your own health, then you'll never succeed because you know, that, you, you, you don't have all your eggs in that basket. Exactly. But you know, I think that's where the ketogenic lifestyle can really benefit because who doesn't like a ribeye, you know, in maintenance or, uh, you know, the, the foods that you can eat, you focus on that and focus on what you can have. 
you can, you can have so many tasty foods that, you know, I think it's a lot easier to stay in compliance. Right. Right. Well, I guess we've been going for a little bit here. Um, kind of go ahead and plug your stuff. Um, if you got any good mentions, uh, let me know and, uh, we'll get uh, rock and rolling on out of here. Cool. Yeah, no, I, uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I'd start out with, you know, we have tons of free resources. Uh, we have our blog. You can get to most of our stuff if you just go to ketomaria.com. Um, but we have a blog with tons of recipes and free information where people can get started. Uh, we have a support website that you can get to from there, keto-adapted.com. We sell our eBooks. We sell services, support. We even have weekly uh, webinars with people that get questions answered and all that. You can get all that to there. And then we got lots of uh, additional free information in our groups on Facebook. Um, and usually Craig Emmerich or Maria Emmerich on Instagram or whatnot. And again, you can get to all, get to all those sites uh, from ketomaria.com. Awesome. I have you guys' uh, Nutter Butter recipe saved on my phone. And uh, my fiance and I have been talking about making it, but her and I both just have such busy schedules that we haven't had a chance uh, to sit yeah. down and make it. But I'm really looking forward to it. So, uh, Craig, I want to thank you for uh, coming on Liberty and Health for episode 15. This podcast is growing great. Um, I'm very, very happy that you were able to come on and uh, spit some knowledge and be a uh, voice of reason in the <laughs> low carb and uh, carnivore communities. It's uh, great to have you and your wife here. You guys do awesome work and uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again sometime. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. Thanks, Craig.